Hi, Jeremy. Thank you so much for joining us for our culture conversation today. I'm really excited to chat with you. Um, what I'd love you to do, first of all, is if you can give us a quick introduction for anyone who perhaps hasn't met you yet. Hey, Lise. Um, uh, thanks, for, thanks for doing this. I'm excited to be here. So quick introduction. I'll try to keep it brief. So my name is Jeremy Allen. I lead the uh, global CPG vertical. Uh, that's all of our CPG manufacturer clients. I've been with Circana for about two and a half years. I uh, came here by way of uh, many years at McKinsey, a stint with Nielsen, and some time at NPD. Um, and I love it here. It's my favorite job. I always say it's my favorite job that I've had since I was uh, very, very young. So thrilled to be here. Um, I am married. I have four children and I live in New York. So that is my intro. So the purpose of our conversation today is to explore a little bit around culture. And I think we've seen over the last probably 10 to 15 years, a really big increased focus for organisations around culture, you know, employee engagement, employee experience. And I wanted to understand from you, why do you think that focusing on organisational culture has become so important for businesses? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think there's probably two things for me. So I started out my career um, in consulting at McKinsey and their culture was critically important, right? McKinsey is known for its culture. It was always focused on um, client service, client return on investment. Um, and you learn that from an early age and it gives you, especially as you're a young person starting out, it gives you something to believe in. You need to believe in the place where you work. You need to believe that it's about something and it's doing something good. So that's important. So I think that's the first thing is, is we want to we want our folks to believe that we're doing something that matters. And what we do here at Circana matters quite a bit. Uh, we're helping our clients drive performance, improve their performance, which creates jobs. It creates wonderful products for, for consumers like us. Um, so that's a good thing. I think the second thing, though, Lise, for me is recently in the last several years, we've gone to a much more remote working environment, right? The, the days where you could just hang out with people in the office, which is where you build relationships and networks and you really get to know people. It's very, very difficult when all we do is this, right? We're on screens all the time. So it's, um, especially for our younger folks, it's they, they, they don't feel connected, right? Which means we have to work harder and harder to build a culture and then find ways to make that culture work in a video environment in times where getting together in person is scarce because we're all over the place. So I think it's always been important, but even even it's even more important now, but I would say it's even harder now, right? Because it yeah. becomes an episodic thing that we go try to do, right? We go try to build culture as opposed to people, um, you know, in the old days, I'll call it, um, mm -hmm. they could see us living our, cult our culture and our values every day, right? You saw from your leaders what it was about, what the organization was about, and now you don't get to see that, right? You see us in meetings, you see us very focused, you don't get to see us living the way we live. Um, so it's more important now, but it's much, much harder now than it was before. Yeah, we haven't had that chance to to kind of, it wasn't something that was an evolution that changed over a long period of time. For most of us, it kind of happened through COVID and we're still playing that little bit of, of catch up as to how do we create this new environment and, and perhaps not try so much to recapture what was lost, but build something yeah. new. Yeah, I agree. Brilliant. And when you think about kind of Sakana itself and, and the culture that we have right now, you know, what are the things that you are proud of in terms of our Sakana culture? And also, where do you think there are still some opportunities for us to improve and grow? 
Yeah, I mentioned that this was my favorite job. Um, and it's, it's probably my favorite job that I've had since my early days in consulting, right? And what I love about places are what makes me love a job is growth, right? The opportunity to learn and pace and challenge. And uh, what I love about um, IRI, now Circana, and the reason I joined IRI at the time, now Circana, is we run really hard, right? We run incredibly hard. It's a fast pace, often frenetic pace. Um, we say yes to almost everything. We're maniacal about serving clients, not letting our clients down. Uh, we have a real focus on innovation. We lead the industry in innovation. When I was at Nielsen, um, looking at IRI from the outside in, I was like, oh my God, how, how do they do it, right? It was liquid data. It was everything. It felt like every single month or quarter, there was a new thing that IRI at the time was doing. And that's attractive, right? And it comes from people that are hungry, that grind, that are focused, um, that are challengers. We'll talk about our behaviors a little bit later and the ones that resonate with me. But all of that is true about this place, right? It is a place where we grind, but we deliver results for our clients and we're maniacally focused on that. And I love that. The flip side of that is all of those things, right? All of those things makes it a crazy place. It makes it very difficult for people to achieve work-life balance. People often feel like they're stretched and underwater and overwhelmed. And we got to help people, right? We have to do a better job of keeping the great things that we do um, with making sure that it's a place that's sustainable, that people can feel like they can do for a long time and love doing for a long time, right? And I think a lot of that has to do with us prioritizing what matters the most. I think our OGSP is a good step in that direction. It gives us a North Star that says, hey, these are the things that are most important. And all of us can look at the things that we're doing compared to the OGSP and say, am I really focused on things that are aligned to our, our corporate strategy and where we want to focus? But we have to do a much better job of being focused, right? Of being focused on what matters the most. And we have to kill things that don't really matter, right? Or that don't matter enough to cause dilution because dilution will kill an organization, right? We are amazing, but ama imagine how much more amazing we would be if we were all focused on the same 10 things, right? As opposed to us all being focused on 100 things. Um, some of us are doing this 10, another group is doing this 10, another group's doing this 10. But if we had the collective power focused on what we agree were the 10 things, and I'm just picking a number 10, that matter the most, we'd have a lot more impact and make a lot more progress in a more sustainable way. So love the place, love what we do, but we've got to harness it a bit more and give it a bit more focus. Yeah, I, I agreed. And I think we hear that that feedback a lot from people. And you've mentioned the OGSP there. And I know that there have been lots of conversations and lots of actions taken, you know, over the last kind of 12 months or so to help move us in that right direction. You know, is there anything that that you would say as, as an individual working at Sakana right now? Is there anything that that we can do to help support and, and help change us in that direction? Um, so one of the things that Kirk says, which I quite like, is repetition doesn't spoil the prayer. Um, I think that is absolutely true, right? What I try to do, and I'm sure all of the ELT members try to do it, we have a step-down plan, right, that says for our commercial organization, for the CPG vertical, these are the set of things that we're going to do that are the most important things we can focus on as a group to advance the, the corporate OGSP, right, to do our part to drive the mission forward. But we have to keep repeating it, right? We have to keep repeating it. We have to keep reminding folks. And we have to measure our progress against the things that we say we're going to do. Um, one of my favorite things um, is the say-do ratio, right? It should be 100% aspirationally. You should do 100% of the things that you say you're going to do. Uh, we talk about that a lot within the CPG vertical, but we have to write down what we say we're going to do. We have to continue to repeat it so everybody knows what the priorities are and where we're focused. And then we have to measure our progress. And if we're doing a great job, we celebrate. If we're not, we hold ourselves accountable and we figure out how we can do better. 
yeah I love that and and you know as we as we're doing this and still learning and growing you know I guess if if you're out there and, and you feel like you've not got that clarity or you feel that I'm not sure what I'm doing is necessarily directly impacting the OGSP what would you tell someone to do how should they respond to that uh, have a conversation. Talk to me about it. Talk to your manager about it. Talk to talk to any of our leaders about it because we'll help you. Um, we'll either help you understand how it is connected because it probably is, uh, or if it's really not, we'll tell you to stop doing it and focus on something else. Um, but I am I am passionate and serious that we can't do things that aren't aren't connected. Right? We can't do things that don't matter because our all of our time collectively and individually is too precious to waste. Um, so we all have to spend our time on things that matter the most. Yeah. Yeah super helpful thank you um if we kind of take a little sideways step now to to think about the rally cry and behaviors that we've set out as as sakana you know so our rally cry of unstoppable together and those seven core behaviors i'd love to know when you look at those which ones really resonate with you which ones would you kind of pull out as being your personal superpower and and why um, it's a good question. I'm not sure that I personally have any superpowers, but I can tell you the ones that I think um, matter the most for, for the vertical that I'm a part of, right? The CPG vertical. Um, we serve clients, right? So the, the one that has to go at the top of the list is being client-centric and, and centering on the client. Um, that's, that's what we do, right? We live and breathe and exist because we serve clients and we serve clients better than anybody else does, right? Which means, again, going back to the say-do ratio, we will commit to do a set of things for our clients and then we have to deliver and we have to over deliver against those things. It means that sometimes we work long hours. It means that sometimes we work weekends, but we're in a client driven organization. And I've always been in a, in a client driven organization from consulting to professional service. Um, after my McKinsey days, it's always been that way. Um, and it's a privilege to serve clients, but it's also a responsibility. So we have to keep clients at the center of what we do. And we are only as good as what we did uh, for our last client, our most recent client, today's client, right? Every day you have to win and you have to over deliver for your clients. So, so for the commercial organization, that one has to come first. I think closely behind that one is um, the one around being a challenger, right? We are at our very core by the structure of our industry, we are challengers, right? We compete against um, a much, much larger entity in NIQ. They're in 90 countries, we are in 12. We will never, ever, ever be, and we will not try to be as large as they will as they are, uh, but we can be better, right? And our focus is to be better in every market in which we compete and to win in every market in which we compete. And we're making really good progress. We have uh, moved from a less than 40 share of market measurement clients in the US to we're gonna be uh, probably close to 70% by the time we finish this year. We're winning in Australia and New Zealand. Our current focus is EMEA, right? So we have got to win in EMEA. It's my number one priority is to make us, is help make us more competitive in Europe. Um, and that's critical. And our focus there has to be in all of our European markets. We will be better than Nielsen in all of the ways that matter to our clients. Um, so being client-centric, being a challenger, that's at the heart of what we do as a commercial organization. And we're really, really good at it. Our people are great. They are great at over-delivering for clients. We have a great set of fighters that love being underdogs and love winning and are crazy competitive. Um, and I love that about our team. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's really interesting kind of to hear you pull those, those two areas out there. And I guess, you know, in a lot of the conversations that I tend to have around these behaviours, and I don't know about kind of your thought process there, but sometimes it's quite difficult to, to pull one or two out and see them as a standalone behaviour because, 
from everything that you were talking about there and the reasons why I hear elements of staying curious, you know, and, and being genuinely interested in clients and how we do things and how we can raise the bar and seeking clarity and championing inclusivity. You know, when I think about, OK, how do we go to market, you know, really big in EMEA and the amount of talent that we have in that space and kind of bringing that group of people together to support in that objective, you can start to see how elements of them all, I guess, help you to deliver against the other behaviours. Yeah, they're all important, but you asked me to pick a few. Um, so I picked a few, but they are all important. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I guess, you know, that's the point. They all work in service of one another. So you can have those ones that can be really dear to you and you see elements of the others as well in how we go about it. So it was really great to just hear those couple of highlights there. Good. So thinking about, you know, CPG, as I say, it's, it's a pretty big team <laughs> that you lead in our organisation. You know, a lot of people that 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 you're responsible for. And I'd love to hear, you know, how would you like someone in your team to describe what it's like to work in your team? Yeah, so it's it's really hard when you have an organization. I think we have 1,200 people globally, right, in the CPG vertical. Um, it's a lot of people. So, you know, the first thing we try to do within this vertical is we try to be really clear and transparent about what matters, right? If we go back to our setting priorities. So what I would love for people to say is they know what matters within the CPG vertical, right? I'd like them to be able to say that we have a step-down plan. They don't have to recite the step-down plan, but I'd like them to be able to say that we have a step-down plan. Um, that we have a set of priorities and that we are focused against those priorities and we hold ourselves accountable in delivering against those priorities. So that's the first thing. I'd love for people to say that we are direct and transparent in the way we communicate. Um, we do town halls uh, in North America. We do town halls on a monthly basis. We do global town halls uh, quarterly. And really the purpose of that is to let everybody know what's going on. So I'd love for people to feel like they know what's going on and we communicate about things that matter. Um, Another thing that's that's really important is um, measuring outcomes, right? So I'm not big on micromanaging. I don't, I would hope anybody that has worked uh, with me would say I don't micromanage them, but we do focus on outcomes, right? We measure our objectives um, consistently across the CPG vertical. We all get measured on the same dimensions. 50% of what we get measured against is our revenue performance. We're a commercial organization. We have to drive revenue. The other 50% is driven by the way we um, lead people, the contributions we make to the firm in terms of um, um, solutions and capability leadership. Uh, but we have very clear objectives and everyone has the same uh, framework to set objectives. So we're all measured against the, the same consistent set of um, outcomes that we need to deliver. And we measure people on outcomes. So we hire incredibly good, talented people. I leave it up to them and hope my leaders leave it up to them to figure out how they want to deliver the outcomes that we need. So we don't micromanage the how you do it. We we, we micromanage or, or inspect the outcomes that you deliver. And that's really important, right? And I think that's really all you can do as a leader. You can try to be clear about what you're trying to do. You can set clear objectives for people and you can measure them based on how they do in delivering the outcomes that you want, right? And you hire really, really good people, which we have. Um, and we let them figure out how they want to do it, right? You deliver the outcome, how you want to do it, whatever works best for you. Um, and that's the way I've always liked to be managed. So I always try to treat people the way I'd like to be treated. And I hope people feel that that's what we do within uh, within our vertical. Sounds fantastic. Sounds great. 
So I guess, you know, in terms of this conversation, that's quote unquote the easy bit because those are my questions. <laughs> okay. Next part, I'm going to ask you to face uh, the fishbowl. Now, you may have seen some of your colleagues get accosted by me in the fishbowl in New York a few weeks ago. Uh, and these are just fun questions that are sent in by colleagues across the globe. And I think we've got time for maybe two or three of those. Before we get started, I do have a slight disclaimer. So I accidentally left the fishbowl in New York. Um, ordered one online this weekend. <laughs> you can check the dimensions of it. So now we have a teeny tiny uh, fishbowl, okay. but it does the same job. So I'm going to give you a good shuttle and I'm going to pick a question at random for you. There, the green one. Okay, so this question has come in from Ursula Gilleran, and she says, Simon Sinek suggests that we start with why. So why do you choose to do the work you're doing in this company and industry? It's a really good question. So as I mentioned earlier, I grew up, uh, my entire uh, early career was in consulting. I spent 12, 13, 14 years, I guess, in total at McKinsey. Um, and I love doing that. But what I what I wanted to do for me personally is I wanted to continue to serve clients. I like professional services, um, but I wanted to move from um, in consulting. You have a client engagement at a time, right? So you're solving one typically very, very hard problem for one client at a time. Um, I look at the industry that we're in in syndicated data and analytics. We have the opportunity to solve problems at scale. And I found that really, really attractive, right? You go from at McKinsey, you have one engagement, one client, you solve a very hard problem for that client. So you move to this industry, we can create solutions that solve very similar problems for lots of clients simultaneously, right? So problem solving at scale, that was wildly attractive to me, right? It, 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 it really, if you think about it, elevates our ability to drive impact across an industry as opposed to one client at a time. So I actually think what we do is more durable and has more impact than what consulting firms do, right? I say this all the time, right? Because we do it at scale, consulting firms do it one at a time. So that was the appeal of this industry to me. Um, and that's the why, right? I'm a problem solver by nature. What we do is we solve big problems for clients. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the measure of success for me is the level of clients that we're serving. We should be serving the most senior clients at our organizations, and we should be helping them solve their hardest problems, right? Solving their hardest problems makes those companies perform better. It helps them sell more stuff. It helps them create better products for consumers. So, um, but for me, the thrill is in the problem solving. I love solving problems and uh, and we solve problems at scale. And that's that's an attractive proposition for me. Brilliant. And great question, Ursula. It's always, I love hearing people talk with passion about what they do. So, yeah, great question. Great answer. Right. Let's have another little shuffle. Right, got a purple one this time. OK, this is from Emily Landry, and she asks, what is your favorite memory from your childhood? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> so I probably very cliche, but I grew up playing American football uh, and I was the quarterback of my high school football team. And my junior year was the year that we had our best season. Um, but my favorite memory was playing football on either Friday nights or Saturday nights with the lights on. We used to, our, our games were televised, so it'd be in front of the television cameras and the crowds and the, um, you know, playing quarterback. You handle the ball every single, uh, every single, at every single play when you're on offense. 
And there's nothing like that feeling of running out with all the lights, with the crowds, with the screaming. Uh, and we had a really, really good season. We all played really well. Um, but that's magical, right? Performing like that um, under the lights at night in front of all your friends and family. I don't think you ever forget that feeling. I remember my uh, oldest son played football as well. In um, his last high school game, I think he graduated in 2012. Uh, he's 29 now. Um, but I remember him sobbing at the end of his last high school game because he was so sad that it was over. Um, and he had a great season, had a great year, but there's so much of our identities as young men gets wrapped up in our sports career and, and what we do. And I just remember holding him and hugging him on the sideline as he cried. And I remembered exactly being oh. in that exact same position, you know, 30 years earlier when I had my last game. Um, but that's, 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 uh, that's my memory. Wow. I love that. Thank you very much. And then we've got time for one more. So All right. Final shift. Well, Good one, be a good one. All right, green one again. Let's see, look. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're, we're keeping with the sports theme now. Right. <laughs> uh, and you might have to explain this question for those of us uh, who are outside of the US. But if you were in the major leagues, what would your walk up song be? Um. So the major leagues is is baseball. It's the uh, it's it's American baseball, and I'm not a baseball guy, but I was a boxer, and I would have um, what I love about boxing is when boxers have walkout music. I think that's a lot more suspenseful because it's a much longer walk to an arena where you have to face another human and try to punch each other to see who can punch the hardest and stand the longest. Um, but God, that is a really good question. Um, Oh God! What? I don't even know where to start with that. I I love lots of different music, from reggae to jazz to hip hop to classic rock. So I I don't even know. Um, I don't know what my walkout song would be. I don't want to pick anything cheesy like "We Are the Champions." It would be, but it would be something hard. It would probably be hip hop. Probably be DMX because DMX is like really hard, deep bass. Um, I'm going to have to say a DMX song to be named later, um, but heavy bass. He's got a like deep growling voice, uh, but it'd be a perfect walkout song for a boxing match. So it'd be something by DMX, but I'll have to come back to you with a specific song later. Oh, I love that. See, my reference point would be WWE wrestling. That's my bag. And they <laughs> have go. their entrance music yes. too. Yes, exactly. We're going to have to talk to Misty, I think, the next you know, town hall. I think every ELT member needs their walkout song. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's a good idea. Brilliant. Thank you to everyone that submitted questions. And thank you, Jeremy, so much for spending the time with us today and talking to us a little bit more about culture. It's been an absolute pleasure. It was my pleasure as well. And I'm really glad you're doing this, Lise. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right. Take care.